Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming up on Believe in Soccer, Columbus crowned champion. This MLS season of stops and starts concluded with the crew's 3-0 MLS Cup victory over Seattle. The offseason wheels, they're already in motion as we look forward to 2021. What changes are in store? Can the league bounce back from what the commissioner calls a $1 billion hit? The Shep Messing Podcast begins now. Well, it's over. What began on February 29th concludes December 12th, meaning that it was literally and figuratively the longest of MLS 25 seasons. With Shep Messing, I'm Steve Cangelosi. Columbus is not a major market. It's a wonderful city I've visited dozens of times. Market size, though, it is 34th in the country. It's a town that came close to losing its team three years ago. The crew was saved. Today, they're champions. We'll start by saying, quite simply, great story, Shep. Steve, the more you think about it, it's unbelievable. It really is. When you think of poetic justice in so many different ways, you talked about that wonderful city. I love being there, too, when we visited. About to lose their team. And then you think about the Caleb Porter story, right? You think about Caleb Porter, the last time that Columbus played an MLS Cup, who beat him? It was Caleb Porter with the Portland Timbers coming into Columbus and winning MLS Cup that year. And and what a story it was. And then you talk about this miraculous season, 2020, just the miracle of getting through it, getting to a final, and then then you lose your two best players, arguably, for the final. Darlington Nagby, we've, we've gone on and on about how important he is to every team he's on. And Pedro Santos, who was on fire. And they come out and they put a smackdown on Seattle. I, I don't think there's ever been a, a more decisive victory in MLS Cup uh, by that amount of goals, the goal difference. I want to get to a lot of that individually. Uh, you started with Porter, though, so I'm going to start there. Success starts from the top. Crew ownership recognized that years ago, there are so many connected to this game that want the big city, right? L.A., New York, or the great soccer markets, Seattle, Atlanta. Someone was smart enough to see the hook that one of the best soccer operations people in North America, Tim Bezpachenko, was Ohio-born. That one of the best coaches, Caleb Porter, had a strong connection to Ohio from his time at the University of Akron. From the time they landed both, this day just seemed inevitable. I, I wasn't sure it was this year. As a matter of fact, I doubted it would be this year. But it seemed inevitable that the top of the crew soccer chain was so prepared for this challenge and they would make it reality. 100% right, Steve. And you, you and I have often discussed, you've heard me say when I was a player, I always said players won championships. Now, 20 years in the broadcast booth, just what you're talking about, it, it's organizations that win it. And, and right from the top down, they got Bezpachenko, they bring in Caleb Porter, and they built this thing right. That's the way to do it. Lucas Zellerayan, if he never plays another game, it was worth the $7 million they spent to sign him. There's a process I know 
that leads you to the big game, but sports are largely about what you do on the biggest stage. He had as good of a day on this stage as anybody's had in 25 years. Yeah, he, he was he was so much fun to watch. He, he really was. And, and you nailed it, Steve, and MLS in particular. When you spend that, the big, big money, whatever it is, on, on the DP, boy, if you go south with that, you're in trouble. And when you hit pay dirt like they did with him, look what it does. I mean, he he was the orchestrator in that game. A fantastic first goal to open it up, made that run to the far post took it out of the air with left foot. I mean, and the goal he scored later in the game, but more than the goals, he was a factor, right? They played through him. He was all over the field. That's a great signing. Uh, You picked Seattle to win. You did so on this podcast. Hours after we recorded came word that Nagby and Santos would not play. Now, you might have doubled down on the prediction that you made had you known that going in. And yet I've seen this a thousand times. Adversity brings out the best in a team. Listen here to Caleb Porter. You know, our, our guys became winners this year. I said that after the last game. Um, you know, a lot of good players, a lot of good teams, but uh, not all those players are winners, champions, and not all those teams are championship caliber teams. You need to have a special fiber and you need to fight and work and have a strong mentality, a winning mentality every single day. You know, I believe that's the difference. You know, every team in this league now, they play pretty good. They have good players. But the psychology of winning, that that mentality every day and that vision, you know, to, to do something special, um, you know, that's what sports is about. Um, so when we have adversity, um, and I say this all the time, you know, you can, you can be PTSD or you can be PTG. And PTG is post-traumatic growth. And I actually believe that you grow more than ever in adversity. I've grown more than ever this year. My team and my players have grown more than ever. Now, look, if you're deciding a championship in a best-of-seven series, the absence of players like Nagby and Santos will factor. In a one-off, this could be a very galvanizing thing for a club, and it probably was. Well, you talk about... Caleb Porter and and that messaging and and how do you deal with adversity? Look, I'm going to go back to a story that you know well uh, because you were with me broadcasting a game at Red Bull Arena several years ago, and it was when Merritt Paulson and Caleb Porter with the Timbers. They, you know, I didn't know Caleb, but I'm listening to their sound bites. I'm hearing their interviews, both Merritt Paulson and Caleb Porter. And I must have made a comment during the broadcast that, hey, you know, easy, guys, a little bit arrogant, a little bit (laughs) full of yourselves. Take it easy. Calm down. Well, the next time the Portland Timbers came to play at Red Bull Arena, we were down in the hall separating the locker rooms. Caleb Porter was bringing his team in to the locker room. He saw me and he made a beeline straight for me and looked me right in the eye, put his hand out shook my hand. He said, hey, listen, Shep, I I heard what you're saying about Merritt Paulson and about me, but let me tell you something. I have no problem with you saying that, but what you're saying, you had a little bit of that when you were a player. You need that to be a champion. And I got to tell you, the players in my locker room, they love me. And I'm really not a bad guy. (laughs) 
<laughs> I shook his hand and I said, Caleb, you just made me a fan. And, and so, yes, they dealt with adversity and you got to put him up in the top echelon historically. And you said it on one of our podcasts in the history of American soccer right now. He's now succeeded at three different places. College championship at Akron, MLS Cup so far at Portland and Columbus. We don't know what the future holds. Uh, the Sounders say Nico Ladero was suffering from a calf strain. That would explain a lot. But Brian Schmetzer called the whole game a failure. Raul Ruiz Diaz was invisible in this game. What happened? They laid an egg. Yeah, and you know, I, I heard somebody talking about it that, look, have they been a great team, the Seattle Sounders, over the last five years? Absolutely. But they have a propensity for laying an egg. I mean, they they were a shadow of themselves. They didn't show up. Their big players were useless, never touched the ball. And we talked about individual matchups during the game. When I look at that game, look at Derek Etienne Jr. On the left side of the field, he decimated Roldan. I mean, mm -hmm. they couldn't stop him. And and we talked about Jordan Morris. We talked about Ladero. They just didn't show up. And, and really, from the get-go, you know, this was Columbus's game. Seattle now becomes an interesting study. They must sign Schmetzer to retain his services as coach. I think we both expect to, that to get done. We'll see. Uh, one of the interesting things to come out of GM Garth Lagaway's wrap-up-the-season chat with the media came when he was asked about Jordan Morris expressing a little bit more of a desire in recent weeks to move to Europe. Here's what Lagaway said. Jordan is a unique asset to our club. Um, his value to us uh, in our community, um, because of what a good person he is and how active he is, um, is special and, and probably not replicable. Um, you know, Jordan is probably worth more to us here um, than, uh, you know, a, a comparable player, if there even is such a thing. I mean, it's the guy that finished in the top five in the MVP voting. Um, you know, it, he, he's got a lot of value to us. Uh, but that said, uh, you know, we will certainly support him and um, whatever he wants to do, whatever direction he wants to take. Uh, and, you know, we will, as we always have, I mean, this is a kid that we've known for a long, long time, well yeah. before uh, he signed with the Sounders and have a good relationship with him, with his family. And, you know, we'll just sit down and, and, and talk it through. Morris is human. He sees what players like McKinney and Dest and Adams are doing abroad. He's 26. If he's going to go, he's got to go now, right? Yeah. I mean, this is his time. I don't think he's going to go, Steve. I mean, he had a big decision to make when he came out of college. And I know his family ties to the Sounders. I believe his father is a doctor for the team. And, and you know, if he were to go to Europe, that would have been the time time to go. You, you mentioned his age, but you mentioned the age of Dest and McKinney and all the others, Tyler Adams. Look, if he doesn't go now, it's never. But I, I get the feeling he's going to sort it out and stay. I'm sure he's got something to prove. Are you, are we past the point where people look at MLS as something that slows down a player, even on the international stage? let's say, are, are we past that as a soccer nation or is that stigma going to be around, let's just say, for the rest of our lives? Well, you heard what Zlatan Ibrahimovic, what his agent had to say right, last right. week, right? He said, my mistake, total waste of time for Zlatan to come to MLS. I, I don't think it's a blanket statement, Steve, certainly for the young players. 
young Meaden. We saw Tyler Adams. We see Brendan Aronson. We see the rest. Caden Clark already, you know, hasn't played much at all, but they're talking about him going to Europe in two years. So I think it's slowly tipping back where it's not going to be a league where you need to leave. Uh, but at the moment, look, it's all about the money. And, and still the big money is in Europe. All right. So that's Mino Raiola, by the way, who by the time we brush our teeth in the morning, he's insulted three people. So let's, we'll, <laughs> we'll kind of couch it that way as well. Uh, Don Garber at halftime of the final on Fox. I don't have the exact quote, but it was along the lines of the year 2020 embodies our history as a league. Speaking to, I think, the fun, freakish oddities of the league's history, right? One that actually folded for a few hours a couple of years ago, uh, many years ago. One that's contracted teams now has exploded through expansion. In that spirit, the situation in Miami this week caught my attention. This, to me, was the perfect MLS story. Diego Alonso meets with his bosses at Inter Miami. He left the meeting thinking he was fired. <laughs> it is then communicated to him, no, you haven't been fired. That's the most MLS thing I can think of. And I say this endearingly. Somebody has to write the history of this league soon. I'm going to add a little juice to that, Steve, because ahead, you, you always know that I have my, my sources. And I dug a little deeper into that. And it's really not about the coach. It's, it's about the boss that got fired. Paul, where did he come McDonough. from? Paul yeah, he came from Atlanta, United, right? Right. Yeah. So David Beckham got involved and he went to the big money behind the team. And, and, and Beckham said enough is enough. This is a joke. This season turned out to be a travesty. The guy at the top, Paul McDonough has no idea what he's doing. These are not my words and I want him out. So David Beckham is throwing his weight around there. What happens? with Inter Miami this season was unacceptable to him. And, and whether you love him or hate him, David Beckham is a big part of that franchise. And, and look, is he expected to run the business operation? No, but they were a travesty originally trying to hire a coach and, and it just kept unwinding all seasons. So Beckham is throwing his weight around. He said, I want to shake up right from the top to the bottom and I'm not going to stand for it. So who's in line next? Forget about coach. Who's in line next to be the top of that organization? We'll, we'll wait and see. But David Beckham is getting involved. I want to see post-COVID, when, we're finally, when we finally have this pandemic behind us, how much David Beckham will be visible in Miami, too. That's one thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look out for. We had the expansion draft this week. Among the players selected the Red Bulls' Jared Stroud. I was surprised by this. You? I was surprised he was left unprotected. You? Yeah, I was. But the more I think about it, I'm not. Answer your question, sure. I, I, was, I was surprised. Um, but then you think about it. And you think about the new regime for Red Bull Arena in, in a positive sense. Jared Stroud is not a young player. He, he turns 25 in July. In the Red Bull scheme of things, that's not a young player. Maybe they felt, look, we've seen enough of what he can do at that age. And did he help out this year? Sure. Uh, but I, I don't have a problem with it. I really don't. Look, I want to shake up. 
at Red Bull Arena. And I think with Kevin Thelwell, Gerhard Struber, I think we're going to see that. So surprised initially, but the more I think about it, no. Austin FC will be his home. Uh, Austin FC enters the league next season. They will be coached by one-time MLS and U.S. men's national team striker Josh Wolf, who had this to say about the addition of Jared Stroud. With Jared Stroud, I think you get a young man. And, and again, I think we got a couple experienced guys and a couple younger guys with Jared. It's someone that's 24 years old and, and has a, a minimal MLS experience. But what, what, what experience he does have in the league, he's shown to be extremely impactful. He's, he's got a good delivery of the ball, good ideas in and around the penalty box. And uh, he has an extremely good engine. So, so we'll look to use him in a, in a variety of ways. So Austin wants to succeed sooner rather than later, I'm thinking. Proof of that, they traded for 29-year-old Alex Ring and surrendering more than a million dollars in general allocation money to get him. This is the kind of move David Beckham probably had in mind because now we live in this age, 25 years into the league's existence. You're an expansion team? So what? Go for it. Now, make a splash with your fans today. Not everybody has to go through this traditional building process that might be, let's say, four or five years for a team like Cincinnati. I love it, Steve. I I really do. And I think there's another factor in there that if you look at NYCFC, where are they going? I think they're going to go in a holding mode until they really know, are we ever going to get a stadium? What are we going to do in this marketplace? And and maybe that's why they're willing to make that deal because – Alex Ring was a huge, huge part of that team. That's a big loss for them. You know what will get Red Bulls fans angry? If Ben Mines plays well in FC Cincinnati. Injuries stalled his progress here, but I suspect there is a chance that that will happen, that he will play well. He showed very well in the few chances he had to contribute at the MLS level for New York. Yeah, I agree with you. When you tell when you were talking about Jared Stroud, I totally understand it. Ben Mines, I scratched my head a little bit. And look, to be fair, we've only seen a glimpse, right? We've only seen limited minutes on the field. I certainly saw some talent there. We don't see him every day. We don't evaluate every day. Uh, you know, hopefully Red Bull knows what they're doing. I think they do, but he's a young guy, I think, that has some talent. Okay, as we have this conversation, there is one MLS team still in play for a trophy. LAFC, the lone MLS survivor in CONCACAF Champions League, thanks to a come-from-behind win in the quarterfinal round Wednesday night. Good for them. They do this surrendering an early penalty as well against Cruz Azul but they go on to win. So Bob Bradley still has a chance to make something of this disappointing year out West. Yeah, and if anybody could do it, it's Bob Bradley. And look at that Cruz Azul game, right? They trade penalty kicks. Bob Bradley makes that second half substitution and the youngster sticks in the the winning goal, two to one, takes that ball out of the air, just at the edge of the penalty area. But now they got Club America coming up and and Cruz Azul had been hobbled a little bit by injuries Uh, Club America uh, a good team Ochoa in goal Uh, but if anybody could do it I'm rooting for Bob Bradley Uh, the player 19 year old Quadwo Opoku with the game winner that was in the 71st minute so the LAFC Club America semifinal Saturday Tigres battles Olympia in the other I'm not sure they care, but isn't there going to be an asterisk next to this? LAFC's victory was single elimination. The others in the quarterfinals were two-leg ties. No trip to Mexico. It was played on a neutral site, but of course it was on U.S. soil. 
context in the year 2020 is something we just have to put in the garbage dispenser. I get that. But, but would you put an asterisk next to this if they win two more? No, I, I don't. Okay. If, if you just put it, you summed it up, Steve. Throw everything out the window. And look, when you're a manager, when you're Bob Bradley, when your players on the team, all they want to do is win. It, it, they, let, let, they let the media speculate about asterisks. If they can get it done and they can win, believe me, they'll celebrate. Okay, this is podcast 31 of the 2020 year, one which uh, we will never forget. No one will ever forget. And we decided to uh, endeavor onto this uh, probably over the summer. We had a lot of fun doing it. We're going to come back next year in some shape or form. What's going to be your lasting memory of, uh, I don't know if I want to say this podcast, but what we witnessed in the world game in the year 2020. Wow. Uh, you got me thinking podcast, and now you turned it around into the world game. First about the podcast. Go ahead. We'll start with that. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I had more fun than I – I loved – usually when we got done with a podcast, you would say, you know, I learned something about you I never never knew before, whether it was playing in Rochester uh, without living there or, or something else, meeting, being a teammate of Maradona. So uh, the, I had a great time doing the podcast. Steve, so thanks, and we'll be back in some fashion next year. As to the yeah. world game, wow. I mean, the saga of, of Lionel Messi stands out to me. I mean, the storied career, and it's a soap opera, opera now, how it's going to end. And, and, and look, the loss of, of so many players like Maradona. I, I know uh, a lot of my friends that I played against are gone. So, look. The game survives, and and to your point, I I really I've been involved in this sport in this country and around the world. In this country, I've dreamt of the day when we would reach the level that we're at right now. I, I think in North America, USA in particular, I'm excited about the the national team, the men's and the women's. I'm excited about the development of young players, and I'm thrilled with where Major League Soccer is in this year, 2020. So those are the things I'm excited about. Yeah, I'm going to remember, I think, mostly how young American kids broke through on the greatest teams in the world. That, 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 that I think, is, is my big takeaway from, from what we've witnessed in the calendar year. And we thought maybe Pulisic might just be this rare exception to the rule, playing so well for Chelsea. He might have been their best player in the game that they played just a couple of days ago. But to see what McKinney's doing at Juventus, Tyler Adams in the in a Champions League semifinal, and, and to see them on that platform do what they do, that warms my heart. And I, and I think the biggest story for the upcoming year will be watching some combination of those kids get us back onto the Olympic stage, which which has to happen. It's just been too long. Yeah, you raised a great point, and and to that point about the young players, I I agree with you. And for me. It's a changing of the guard because remember for so many years, who were the Americans who did well in Europe? Only predominantly the goalkeepers, right? Mm-hmm. Fredell, Casey Keller, the list goes on, but goalkeepers. And now we're looking at attacking players at the biggest, best clubs in the world. That's fantastic. And your point about the Olympics, look, I played, uh, in the Olympic Games on the first U.S. team that ever went through qualifying, there was one team prior, earlier, 
where there was no qualification, but my team was the first team ever to go through qualifying and actually make it to the Olympic Games. For the development of the sport, for the young players, we can't miss out again. We've got to make it there. Time for us to say goodbye. Uh, Happy holidays to you. The happiest of New Year's to you, your family, and uh, anybody who's checked in on this podcast over 31 episodes. Again, we'll be back in some way, shape, or form in uh, 2021. Shep, this was fun. Thanks. Loved it. See you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.